Hello, everyone. You are in for a treat for this episode of the She Is Community podcast. A couple weeks ago, we got together for She Is Community Night, and it was an incredible evening filled with worship and teaching. So today, for this episode of the podcast, um, you are going to have a chance to listen to Pastor Kim's message that she preached at Community Night. So maybe you were at Community Night and you got to experience already. Let me tell you, it's worth a second listen. And if you weren't able to join us, we are so pumped that you'll have a chance to hear it now. So whether you're driving or doing dishes or just sitting at home, we are so glad that you are joining us for this episode. Enjoy. Jesus, I thank you that you call us a daughter. I thank you that when we step into relationship with you, we become part of a family. When we choose to put our trust and our faith and our salvation in you, we become part of a community. No matter our background, no matter our status in society, we become part of your kingdom and part of your family. And I just pray for every woman in this room tonight that you would just give her peace. I pray that you would speak to her heart tonight. I pray that you would do what only you can do this evening. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So tonight I'm going to talk about what is community and why do we need it. So... I was really praying. I was going to talk about rhythms. That's what we started talking about on our podcast. And, but I kept struggling with that. And the Lord said, just look at the name for the event tonight. I was like, okay, God, let's, let's start there. Let's start with community. Mother Teresa says that, um, said, she's no longer living. Loneliness is the leprosy of the mar- modern world. Loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. And we all know we live in a world right now that has the most loneliness it's ever had. People are more lonely than they ever have been. And, um, and so we're going to talk about the importance of not just community. I'm not even talking about friendship tonight, but I'm talking about what it means to be in gospel community and what it means to belong to the family of God. So we'll start with the definition of community, and it's a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common, or a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. And so I'm going to start off in the book of Acts. And so in Acts 2, um, I'm not going to go into all of it, but these believers, Jesus had, had already gone to heaven. He'd already died on the cross, rose again, gone to heaven. And these believers were in the, what they call the upper room, and they were praying together, and, and tongues of fire came upon them, and they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And then they began to see this exponential growth within the kingdom of God. And we see in Acts 2, 42 through 47, it says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. 
They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is such a beautiful passage of what the church is supposed to look like. Now we can look at it and think, man, that's very idealistic. And, but we have to understand like the church was messy too. And if you keep reading the Bible and you see that Paul addresses the church, the church got, got messy. Um, so just being a part of the family of God doesn't mean you won't have messiness sometime. Let me just say that. Okay. You all know we're all human. Every single one of us in this room can be messy. Amen. Yes. So this is really beautiful, and it's, it's what they were doing, and it's, um, they de- what I love about this is it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And the word of fellowship in this, um, in this passage in the Greek is koinonia, and it's a Greek word for community or fellowship, and it means that the share which one has in anything, participation, a fellowship, intimacy, a gift jointly contributed, a collection, a contribution as exhibiting an embodiment and proof of fellowship. And so I think a lot of times we can think of community or fellowship and think, I don't have anything in common with these people. And we tend to bond with people that we feel like we have commonality with, right? Like, oh, well, they all play sports. Like, they're in my club. You know, we all like to do crafts. Well, they're in my club. I don't know. The list can go on and on of what you develop typical communities around commonality. And we avoid community because we're concerned about not having anything in common with them. And I hear this so often from people within the church. Well, I don't know if I'm going to join that group or that Bible study because I just don't know if I have anything in common with those ladies. I don't know if I have anything in common with those guys. And, um, and that's normal. Like we seek out comfort and it's okay to seek out people we have things in common with. But in the gospels, in this passage of scripture, you have to believe there were, um, in the passage before this, it said there were 3,000 added to a church in a day. <laughs> 3,000 people got saved in one day. Do you think all those people like the same things? No. But yet we see here in verse 42, they're, they're all having meals together, right? They're all sitting around reading God's word together. They're all sharing things. They're all providing for one another. They're, they're, they're doing it with great joy. They're praising God together. They're in community together. So what is the commonality? Because 3,000 people don't all like the same thing. Well, it's because gospel community is centered around Jesus, and that's it. That is your commonality. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a community. Because that is our thing that we center our lives around. Gospel community is who you follow Jesus with. 
Priscilla Shire, I love her. And she said in a Bible study I did a long time ago, she said, unity doesn't mean sameness, but oneness of purpose. So when we're in community, when we're in true gospel community, we have this oneness of purpose that we all love Jesus and we're all gonna follow him and figure this thing out. There's a lot of excuses though we make for not being in community as I hear them from you and from other women and from people all of the time in the 23 years that we've been in ministry, I've heard a lot of excuses for why we're not in community and they all have a little bit of validity to them. I don't have anything in common. I'm an introvert. Can I just say, being an introvert doesn't mean you don't like people. It just means you don't like people. That's not a category. You just need to pray through that. <laughs> I'm an introvert and I like people. You better hope that I do or I shouldn't be a pastor. So that's not an excuse. I have church hurt. It's a big one. It's a valid one. I got hurt in the church. I got hurt by my other church. There are some toxic church families out there. Then there's just times that we don't work through our church hurt when we're supposed to. But that's a valid thing. But then we carry it with us everywhere we go. My relationship with Jesus is personal. It's just between him and I. I hear this a lot. And I'm like, that is not in scripture. Nowhere. It's nowhere to be found. It's only between you and Jesus. Tell me what Bible you're reading because it's not there. But I get it. It's when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's hard to be vulnerable with other people, right? But that's false. I don't have time. Again, None of us have time. Does anyone in this room just have time coming out everywhere? No. Not even retired women in this room have time just coming out everywhere. We're all struggle with being busy, right? I never read the Bible. I don't want to feel dumb. Valid. And when I started leading college girls Bible studies in my home nine years ago, we would always, Steph and I would always tell them, well, originally Steph and Katie were actually in my Bible study. So, um, but we would, I would always say, no question is stupid. And what would always happen is when the ones who had never read scripture or who had no religious foundation in their life would ask a question, the ones who had been in church all their lives would be like, I've always wondered that, but was too afraid to ask. And so they would learn from each other, right? This is a hot topic. I prefer online. I love those of you watching online right now. <laughs> I won't stay here long, but... But again, I, it is hard to have gospel community online. It, you don't get this. You don't get community. And I'm grateful for online. I, I'm grateful that I got to stay connected to you all for the seven weeks I had to be home. So grateful for it. We also have an online community that watches from Arkansas and they, they gather people in their home to watch. That's, that is community, that's community. But the last one that's the biggest one, I think, for most of us is I'm afraid. 
I'm afraid. I think all of us at some point have been afraid to step into gospel community. So why do we need it? Well, number one, our community, community is part of our DNA. We were literally wired for community. People were created with an inner need to connect with each other and with God. And in our Western society in America, we're very individualistic. Right? If I were to interview my friend from Thailand over there, she would say, yes, America is very individualistic. And in their culture, they're not. Right? They share homes with their family and they, they do a lot with their family. They're in um, religions together as family. When I go on mission trips to other countries, they're like, man, America is so individualistic. Your faith is so individualistic. And that's not how it is here. But we've set up a world where the goal has been individualism. And it's our highest ideal in America. It is. We're all about our freedom, our rights, our satisfaction, our desires, our success, our fulfillment of everything we've ever wanted. And that's how our society has been set up, which isn't all wrong. It's not all bad. Some of those things are incredible. Yet if the individual is the ultimate thing that we seek after, our individual faith, our individual success, our individual desires, then it can really hurt us when we don't get what we want. When we don't get what we want because there are limits to our humanity. See, from the beginning of time in the book of Genesis, we're told that we were created in the image of God. That we are his image bearers. In Genesis 126 it, said, 126, it says, let us make men in our image after our likeness. And in Genesis, it uses the word image bearers as a plural, not as a singular. And what that means is we're created as a whole, as image bearers in this room, plural, to bring goodness, to bring beauty, and his blessing in the world together not by ourselves, not by ourselves. We are called to do it together. He doesn't need our help, by the way. I know y'all know that. God doesn't need our help, but he wants to do it in community with us. He wants to co-labor with us. And, and he says to us, man, this is a big project. This is a big project and you're gonna need a lot of help. So when he created Adam, Right? He created Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So then he created Eve. And then what did he say to them? Go and multiply. <laughs> Go and reproduce. Because his plan A for this world, this plan A for redemption of humanity was a team on mission to make his glory known on this earth. And so from then on, we see people worshiping in community, we see people celebrating holy days together in community. We see people confessing sin as a community and observing Sabbath as a community. We saw them sin as a community. For those of y'all who are going through the Bible in a year with me, you're seeing them sin a lot in community. But he wants us to follow him in community. Number two, community is the way of Jesus. In Matthew 4, 18 through 22, it says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee, 
He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me. I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called for them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. I love this story so much. And I'm not, I have a whole other sermon on this story, so I won't get into that. But, but when we become a Christ follower, he calls us to follow him. We're called to step out of the boat. We're called to step out into the ocean. We're called to step out into the unknown and simply follow him. Simply follow him. And then he will show us what to do. He'll show us how to fish for people. He'll show us how to follow the way of Jesus. When he called Peter and Andrew, they were leaving their old life behind. They were leaving their families behind. They were taking a huge step of faith to follow their rabbi, to follow Jesus the Messiah. They were called to learn everything that he knew. And the call to follow him wasn't just to follow him, but to, it was a simultaneous call to community, to the other disciples, to this, this community of Jesus. They were called into a family. And the same is true for you and I. When you make a personal decision to follow Jesus, you are then called into a family. You're called into community. And that may sound a little cultish to you if you're not from the Christian faith. There are cults out there. I won't name them. There are some in our community. But I, we're, Christianity is not one of those. Okay? It's just a following the way of Jesus. But here's the thing. We cannot follow Jesus alone. Nowhere in Scripture do we see men or women follow Jesus alone. They're always following him with other people in tow. They're always following him in community. When Jesus made the call for disciples to follow him, he was in community with them himself. And he was Jesus, the Son of God. He didn't have to have community, but he chose to be in community. He was spending time with either his three or his 12 or in larger groups. And there were times that even when he snuck away to be alone with the Father, he was still in community with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He was still in community. And there were many people in scripture that decided they wanted nothing to do with it, that, that they were following him, they were actually disciples of him. And in John 66, it said that after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. There are people that chose to quit following the way of Jesus. But it's in community that we learn his ways. It's in community that we learn who he is and because in America, we individualize our faith so much, we do things on our own so much where faith is concerned. Yes, again, we might come to church on a weekend, but we're not getting plugged into studying the word with other women or girls. We're not talking about our faith with each other. We're still individualizing our faith. We're called to study the word together. And it's in community where we truly shift, not just about 
being a part of God and, and having him as a savior, but really knowing who he is. Really knowing who he is. It's where we learn and we share meals together and sit around a table. It's where we're motivated to be a part of the local church and to get involved in serving. It's where we stir one another up, as Hebrews 10, 24 says, for love and good works. Tim Keller says, only if you are a part of a community of believers seeking to resemble serve and love Jesus, will you ever get to know him and grow into his likeness? Yeah, I don't believe, because it's not in scripture, that you can truly become like Christ without community. Number three is community is where you know and are known. At the end of the day, we're all a little bit scared. At the end of the day, we're all a little bit scared, including myself. We're scared sometimes to be in silence with Jesus. We're scared to be known by him, afraid of what he'll say or what he thinks about us. We're scared to be in community because we're afraid if, if people really knew who I am. In both spaces, in, in the solitude and in community, we're both laid or bare in those spaces. Our real self comes alive. There's, there's nowhere to hide. You can fake it a little while in community, and it will come out at some point, right? Who we actually are and who we actually aren't will surface. See, we can still have friends and we can still come to our churches each and every weekend, but still be lonely. And, and what hurts my heart sometimes is when I hear people say how lonely they are within the church. But it's because we only share the goodness of ourselves on a weekend. If we're only coming on a weekend, if we're only coming on a weekend or we're coming into church and sitting and worshiping, we're only sharing the goodness of ourselves with other people because no one really knows us, right? They don't know that we've had a bad day. They don't know that maybe we've had a loss in our lives. We never share the wrongness of ourselves when we're just coming on a weekend. When we allow fear to keep us from being in godly community, we're giving way to the enemy and we're missing out on freedom. We're missing out on freedom that Jesus has for us. Who is behind fear? Is it God? No. First Timothy 1.7, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, right? God is not the author of fear. So if God's not the author of fear, and who is? Sometimes ourselves. But the author of fear, the author of fear is the enemy, right? The devil. The enemy hates community. He loathes it. 
because he knows there's power in community. He knows there's power when Christ followers gather to worship him. He knows there's community when Christ followers are in the word, studying the word of God together. He knows there's community when there's Bible studies, um, meeting in our high schools. He hates it. He hates it. Jenny Allen says, the enemy wants to divide us and rather than fighting for each other, he wants to see us fighting against each other. He wants to prevent the glory of God from shining through the city on a hill. A gathering of believers who are set apart for the purpose of displaying God to the world. We are called to be a community of people on a mission. I love this. We are called to be a community of people on a mission, delighting in God delighting in each other, redeemed and reconciling the world, bringing them and inviting them into his family. This is the ultimate purpose of community. And that's from her book, Find Your People. I highly recommend it. But not only does he call to divide us, we know that, right? There's a lot of disunity in our world. There's a lot of disunity in our churches. But he doesn't just call, the enemy doesn't just want us to be ununified. He doesn't just want us torn apart, but he also wants to close us off. He wants a church that is powerless, that has become inward. And I I want um, some of my friends to come up on the stage and I want to do this sermon illustration. Because see, it's okay for us to have groups of friends that are in community with us. And sometimes they're really godly friends that are in biblical community with us. But so often we can form these tight little circles and we pray together and we read God's word together and we, we're doing all those things and that's really good. That's really good. We want to do those things. But so often the enemy causes us to stay there and we, we don't allow others in. We don't want anyone else coming in. And so what God wants is for this to happen, but then for us also to turn outward and to go therefore into all the world as a community and invite other women in to the kingdom of God. He wants us to make space for others to join us. He wants others to know the goodness of God. He didn't call us to form cliques. He called us to build his kingdom, which is a really big space. You ladies are awesome. Thank you. They did this for me really last minute. (laughs) Another way the enemy really tries to destroy community is he has us unite around hurt. I see this a lot. He has us unite around hurt or offenses within the church. And we get in these circles, and we start gossiping about other people in the church, or the pastor, or our leaders, and we unite around this hurt. We say, oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. It happened to me too. Let me lick your wounds. And the me too is okay for a minute, 
But then we go and we point one another to Scripture, and we point to freedom, and we point to healing, and we point to reconciliation. That is what gospel community is. Victory comes through uniting around the way of Jesus and knowing him and making him known. See, you will fully come alive when you step into that realization that you are called to the community of faith to make him known and to know him. But to live in community, we have to commit. The reason so many people decided not to follow him is because he set the bar high. He said, you're going to have to pick up your cross. My husband taught on this a few weeks ago. You're going to have to pick up your cross. You're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to die every day to what you want. I'd like to ask you, if you knew Jesus was coming back in five years, how would you live out gospel community differently? If you knew he was coming back in five years, how would you live out gospel community differently knowing that is created to be the family of God, to know him and to make him known to others? That you're not called to be a loner in the faith. See, by participating in genuine gospel community, we allow others to see into the depths of our heart. It takes time. I don't encourage you to spill your guts the first second you meet someone unless you know that God's called you to. Ask for discernment. There's been several times God has said, nope, you are not gonna lay your soul bare with this person. They are a wolf. But there is so much goodness and God can give you that discernment. Not everyone is a wolf but we have that that veil over our eyes that says that it is. But in true gospel community, we lay our souls bare. We let people in the depths of our heart. We receive the encouragement that we need to overcome sin in our lives by accountability. And this isn't harsh accountability. This is like, man, sister, I see the danger sign up ahead for you. Let's, let's go into God's word together. Let's see, let's, let's see his truth. Let's see that he has a path of life for you. But a lot of times the second we mention accountability or commitment to people, they run the other way. But can I tell you, it's the most freeing thing you'll ever, ever do in your whole life. Will you get hurt at some point? Yeah, maybe because we're all humans. But if you're truly learning the ways of Jesus, you'll be led into all truth. You'll be led into a place of rescue. See, a true friend is someone who loves you enough to graciously call you out on your sin, even when it stings. It says in Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of the enemy. Your enemies will tell you, stay in sin. Keep doing that. They don't love you. They just want to keep doing what they're doing too without feeling bad about it. It's not our job to save or fix people. That's Jesus' job. It's Holy Spirit's job to guide people into all truth. 
We go to scripture together when we're in community. We put our arms around each other. Say it's going to be okay. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be good. And we go into freedom together. See, together as we study who Jesus is, our knowledge and affection for him grow. You learn that he is faithful. He is loving. He is kind. And we get invited on this crazy, wild mission with him to make him known to our world. See, in part of being part of a biblical community, we serve and we love one another and we can boldly declare the good news without fear of standing out. Because we're not alone. We're not alone. So what I want to ask you tonight is what's holding you back from living in true gospel community? This is an invitation into the most beautiful, messy thing you've ever been invited to be a part of. Hey, there's almost 100 women here from other churches. Again, I'm so glad you're here. Ladies, get involved in your church. Get involved in gospel community within your church. There are a good number of women that register that so they don't go to church anywhere. I'm so glad you're here. We can help you find a good local church and local community to be a part of. So if you're not part of a local church, join one. Sign up for your church's Bible studies and small groups. It's not, it's not an effort to make you busier. That's not what we want, but it's an invitation into community and studying God's word together. Reach out to a few friends that will point you to Jesus that you can study scripture with that will point you to truth. Give them a call or text this week and invite them to join you for a weekly meal or weekly coffee to study a passage of scripture together. And you may not know what any of it means, but you learn it together. It's beautiful and you pray together. Go pursue women who are older and godlier than you. So if you're 13, that may be someone who's 18. That may mean someone who's 21. If you're 20, go pursue someone who's 30. If you're 30, go pursue someone who's 40. Women that are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, we need you. There is no retirement in scripture from investing in the kingdom of God. You will not find it. We need your voice in our lives. We need you investing into the younger women. They, they need your voice. I can't tell you how many women ask me, Kim, how do I find a mentor? It's like number one question I'm asked. And so we're starting something here called She Is Known Mentoring Collective. But first I need mentors. <laughs> That's the key. And I need mentees. I need to know that you're interested. So if you're a part of Summit and you're interested in this, I want you to text she is to the number 94,000 and we'll, we're just sending you an interest form. We're just gaining interest at this point. But it's gonna be within the context of small groups of four to six 
girls and women, and it's gonna be beautiful. We already have a male mentoring program here called Radical Mentoring that Pastor Todd leads. I'm excited about what God is going to do through us. If you are from another local church and you um, want to do this at your own church, I can give you the resources. Like, please reach out to us, it's all free. It's not something we developed, so please let us know and we can send that your way. But there's a lot of things that we put on here to get you in community. Of course, our community nights are now gonna be quarterly. We'll have our She Is One Night in March with Annie Downs, then we'll have another event in May, one in July and one in September, and then we have our big She Is Transformed conference in the fall, and we're going back to the KCHC. And I'm so excited about what God's gonna do this year. We have a mom's Bible study that's starting this next week for women under 40. We have our rooted Bible study. We have freedom groups available that are being led by several women in our church. I invite you to get involved in that. We have Propel that's open to anyone. We have a lot of things, a lot of things that we're gonna be doing. But right now, I wanna pray over you. Right now, what we're gonna do before we leave, and this is really important, is you're gonna take time in community to pray for one another right now. You're gonna take time in community to answer some questions that you're gonna see on the screen and to just talk for a moment. So whether you're sitting at a table or whether you are in the balcony or under under the balcony, I want you to gather in groups of at least five or six. This isn't scary. This is what we were wired for. Our prayer team and myself and some of our staff are gonna be available on the sides to pray with you if you want prayer, but ultimately I want you to pray at your table with the other women. Their prayers aren't any more holy than mine. Hope Pastor Kendall's gonna sing a song right now. And so before we break out into the community time, I just want you to process individually what you feel like the Holy Spirit's saying to you. And then we're gonna process at our tables and then we'll be done for the night, okay? Deal? Jesus, we thank you that you died for us. We thank you that when we come in a relationship with you, we're invited into the family. We pray that you would bless this time together that would be holy, that would be powerful. In Jesus' name. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the She Is Community Podcast. As always, if you want to be notified when we release new episodes, be sure to subscribe anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Kim and I have some really exciting episodes that are planned, and we cannot wait for you to hear them. So once again, thank you so much for listening and have a great day.